0: with the Virginia State Golf Association and thanks for joining us today on the VSGA's Golf in the Commonwealth podcast. The Players Championship begins today Thursday March 10th at TPC Sawgrass and we're pleased to have a guest who has boots on the ground in Florida past VSGA PJ Boatwright intern Daniel Stamper. We recorded this podcast last week when Daniel had a week off from the tour and as you'll hear it's probably a good thing because he does not have a whole lot of free time when he's out in an event. If you played in a VSGA Championship qualifier junior golf circuit event or one day event back in 2019, you probably saw Daniel out in the golf course. Today, he talks about his winding journey to VCU, which started in Washington State and then included an unlikely stop at Alcorn State and HBCU in Mississippi. A graduate of VCU's Center for Sports Leadership, Daniel shares stories of the connections he made there that allowed him to eventually land a position at TrackMan. He breaks down how the technology works and how it translates from the TrackMan behind each tee box to your TV screen. Daniel also chimes in on some of his favorites for this week's event and some of the best spots to watch the action at TPC Sawgrass. Hint, bring your appetite when you go out to the 12th hole. Settle in for a fun and interesting conversation with Daniel Stamper, and thanks for listening to today's episode. All right, Daniel, thanks for joining us today here on the podcast, man. It's good to see you again.
1: Good to see you too, man. It's gonna be great to catch up. I'm excited.
0: Yeah. Well, first of all, just tell everybody a little bit about yourself and who you are, and uh, and and what you're doing now.
1: Um. Yeah. So I was the VSGA boat right intern in what was that 2019 now?
0: I think so. Um.
1: Yeah. yeah I went to I played golf at VCU, um, and then I did my master's program there, which is how I got linked up with the VSGA um and then i did i was supposed to do the full year internship but it got cut short into i think just over six months it was like seven months because i took the job that i currently have i work for Trackman's broadcast operations team out on the pga tour and i'm what they call a tour operator so what that entails is i can do a little bit of everything we we're on every tee box collecting data for ShotLink, shot link, which is the PGA tour. And we also do broadcast for PGA tour live, which is now on ESPN plus. So I do a little bit out in the field. I'm in the truck sometimes in shot link, helping with calibration. I'm in the TV truck a lot, helping with the operation. So if you ever hop on ESPN plus and you see the tracers on there, if they look bad, just give me a call. But, uh, yeah that's what that's what we do and
0: um yeah i, I always imagine if there was a shot tracer on my shot you, you and i play have played golf once or twice together before it would, <laughs> it would be ugly but it might hurt some people but hey that's it's it's cool to see the way the pros hit the ball and, and just the, the apex and all the the numbers that go into it. it's pretty cool stuff there um you know you took an interesting path to playing golf at BCU too if i remember correctly when we talked before you started, uh, you started juco and then go to an HBCU. Is that correct? Or is it the other way around?
1: That is correct. So straight out of, I started playing golf. I'll back up and give you the whole spiel here, but I started playing golf right before freshman year. So it was like my eighth grade year, probably in the fall, but I was playing football and basketball and baseball. So it was like, I was playing a lot of other sports, wanted to play golf with my dad and uncle who went and played twilight all the time. My dad told me I had to take lessons to go out there because basically he didn't want to play with a hack, which is eventually (laughs) what I found out. But um, so I took some lessons in the pro at the local course. Um, It's called the Classic Golf Club. It's actually where Ryan Moore came out of. Um, He was like, man, like this is your first time playing golf. And I was like, yeah, I just played baseball and watched my dad play like, I don't know. Sort of got a little bit of a swing from that. And he was like, wow, you're pretty good. And he was actually the one that convinced me to try out for the high school golf team. I was just this little 5'2", five, 5'3", five, little guy trying to play football. And I got to freshman year. I was like, you know, I don't think I want to go out there against those guys. So I made the decision to quit playing football freshman year and try it out for the golf team and somehow made varsity. Um, and then I played four years varsity there. Um, but I was I was just on the threshold. You know, I made state junior senior year, but I didn't really do anything. I had some good junior summers, but didn't really win anything. So it was like, you know, what do I want to do? I want to keep playing golf. Um, and I had a little bit of interest in like local D3s, NAIA schools. And it was like, I I think I'm better than that. And so you know, I bet on myself. I went to JUCO for two years. And then from there, I had a few schools that just flat out told me I wasn't good enough. And I was like, okay, I took that personally. Um, But you know, I, I shot myself around and um, there was just some random connection with Alcorn State and our athletic director, he had gotten a girl to go down there, you know, a few years before I did. So he knew the coach real well, guy seemed like a really good guy. And I went down there, um, took a full ride. And I was like, Okay, like, this is what I'm gonna do. And, you know, we got down there. And about, I want to say it was like a week before school started, the coach was like, Hey, guys, you know, I just took a job at a D2, like military academy or something like that in Alabama. So we were without a coach for like half a year, which to me, was just ridiculous. Um, We just had like the associate AD would just like drive us to tournaments and we were just self-led. I mean, we practiced on our own, ran qualifying on our own. Everything was kind of on our own for the entire first semester. Um, And then we did get a coach who was like a former professional, played in some PGA events, played in some web.com events. Um, and he was he was a good dude. Um, but ultimately, I was like, you know, when you think D1 golf, you're like, wow, this is high caliber. And we were down there. And it just it just wasn't what I expected. You know, the school was fine. there was nothing wrong with the school, the location. And eh, but I knew I was getting into the deep south Mississippi, which a kid from Seattle, that was a huge culture shock, you know, like, um, just going down there and I mean, I got to try grits for the first time. I had no clue what that was, so it was, it was really interesting, and it was a great experience. Honestly, I felt that it really helped cultured me, and like really see like a different part of the United States that not a lot of people immerse themselves in that aren't from there. Um, so it was a really good opportunity. But we got to play in one tournament. I think it was South Alabama's tournament where we got to play against, you know, the West Virginia, we got to play against some other big time schools and just seeing what they had and like seeing the course that we played for that. I was like, man, like this is what I want. Like, how do I get there? Um, And I shot myself around again. It was just, you know, email after email after email to different coaches, calling coaches, office numbers, you know, anything I could do to just get on the phone and just so they could see how hungry I was to play at a better level. And, I had pretty good scores that year. Um, So it was like, you know, I felt I could be a helpful addition to some team, even though it's only going to be for a year. Um, And yeah, I talked to Butler, Davidson, some other schools. And then I was like, Oh, wow, VCU, you know, they've won multiple conference championships is like, they get to play some pretty great places. They're traveling to Florida. You know, they're playing against Duke. They're playing against all these other big schools. And I was like, wow, like let me email, not expecting to hear anything back. Cause I just, where I was at, I was like, okay, this school might be like a little bit higher level than what I expect. And I think coach ball called me like within the hour of my email and he was on the phone, um, talking to me about gold mountain, um, that he had brought in the boys out for regionals. A few times, Adam played in the Adam ball played in the junior was at us junior am out here when he lost to Jordan Speeth And then he had been out here for chambers for Adam as well. So he was just talking to me about the area got a feel for me. And you know, what he from what he told me, he just f- felt that he could hear the drive that I had, he could hear that I was going to work hard. And you know, that's that's what I planned on doing. I knew if someone gave me the opportunity, I was going to give it my all and see where it went. You know, if it led to the next level, it led to the next level. But I wasn't going to sit back and wonder what happened. You know, did I give it my all or did I just, you know, go by? I got the free schooling, so, like, it is what it is. But, um, no, I mean, I gave it my all for them, and that's how I ended up at VCU. And, man, that was – The step up from, you know, no, like not trying to shame Alcorn State at all, but like the level of tournaments that we got to play and the the golfers we got to play against. It was it was eye opening. It's really one of those things where you're like, man, these kids are really good. And it's like when you're looking at the next level, you're like, okay well, some of these guys aren't going to make it do I really want to grind it out that hard? And at that point I knew some guys that had graduated and they're grinding and it was like not going anywhere. They're, you know, living out of their car, driving from tournament to tournament. I was like, do I really want that life? And it was like, in my mind, I was like, no, absolutely not. But if I, if I had the opportunity to go back, it would have been fun to give it a go for, you know, a few months just to really see um, what I could have done at that level, or just really feel like what it's like to play for money, you know, to really play where you're trying to make a paycheck so that you can pay for the next event or whatever it is, the hotel room that week, you know? Um, so it would have been cool to do that, but, you know, I sat down with coach ball and, like right at the end of my senior year and he was like, "Well, so what do you plan on doing after you graduate?" And I was like, <laughs> "I have no idea, man. I'm graduating with a psychology degree. What do I do with that? I'm not going to be the next Bob Rotella." Um and so he was like, "You know, have you ever thought about coaching?" And I was like, "No, not really, but it you know, I'm open to it. I love being around the game of golf and so he was like, you should apply to the master's program down the hallway. It was called the center for sport leadership, which is what I did. And, you know, once I got in there and got to really see like the realm of like the sports industry, it was like, you know, coaching is cool and it's always something that I might go back to, but it's like, I wanted to dig deeper into like the golf industry. And, you know, I reached out to Glenn gray um and he was the one i was gonna drive up to northern virginia just to shadow him you know once a week and he was like you know let's not have you drive you know two hours two and a half hours whatever with traffic he's like um let me reach out to a few people in the richmond area and see what i can do and that's when he got me hooked up with trip shepherd so that that's how that came kind of full circle and then i did the one day a week with the VSGA working the front desk so
0: well, I mean, what was your biggest takeaway from the internship experience? I mean, you know, I know that you got to experience a lot of different things here, from you know um, dealing with dealing with invoices and phone calls to running running your own tournaments. I mean, what, what were your biggest takeaways?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you know, growing up playing in a bunch of golf tournaments, you know, when you come up. And show up for a golf tournament. Everything's laid out for you. You walk into registration. You tell them your name. You get your packet or whatever. You go hit balls. You play your tournament. You leave. Um, but the biggest eye opening thing for me was just how much goes into that one tournament. Whether it's a you know one day qualifying event or a one day junior event or even you know the state amateur. There's just so much that goes into each one of those events that you guys do day in and day out that might not be appreciated by the guy that's playing in tournaments all the time, because when he shows up, everything's perfect and laid out for him and he's got a tee time and that's all he knows. But when you see the backside of that and you see all the paperwork being printed out and marking the course and, you know, making the scoring links or whatever it is, it's like, that's when you start to really appreciate like, wow, these guys put in a lot of effort to run such high quality events. And that, that to me was the biggest takeaway as someone that competes in amateur events to see how much work goes into just one single event. That was, it was just crazy to me. It was like, wow, they just put in, you know, a week or it's like weeks worth of time. And it's like, well, that was just a one day open qualifier. Like, (laughs) just like the state amateur is a whole different level of how much work goes into that. So it it was pretty cool to see that. And it definitely was like a humbling experience. And like, you know, when I, I played in, it was like the Richmond four ball last year, you know, I don't think as much work got put into that as you guys do, but it was still like, Hey, I know that you're taking time out of your day. It's a little bit different for them. And like, you guys still put in work, you're officiating these tournaments. And it's like, you know, you go out of your way to thank those people knowing how much work that they're putting in. So I think, you know, moving forward, playing in amateur events, it's just, you know, I'm going to take that extra second to go say thank you to all the people that, you know, made this event possible.
0: You you talk about the CSL a little bit and getting a chance to go through that program. Obviously it's produced some really good people. You you talk about Charlie Howe at the USGA and, and you know, Glenn Graves, who was part of that program, a lot of people have come out of it. What's what makes that program so strong?
1: The CSL network, man, they talk about it all the time in the program. You know, you, you get the classes, you learn so much about, you know, marketing, the sports industry, communication, social media, you know, all that kinds of stuff that like, it's very necessary for us to perform, you know, whatever we go on to do. But, if it wasn't for the CSL network, I'm not where I am today. You know, Glenn gray hooked me up with you guys, you know, Matt smiley reached out to Justin pageant, who is also alumni, um, which helped me out. So, you know, it's just so many people I know from the CSL either reach out to me. Hey, do you know, of? we just started hiring a bunch of people and I got immediately, it was like three or four people um, were like, Hey, you know, can you put in a good word for me? And, you know, I do what I can. Obviously, they don't want to just have a pipeline of CSL people. Because um, it might not feel fair to others. But to me, like, that's exactly what we need. There's a level of professionalism that comes out of the CSL network, you know, you're going to get someone that's striving to do a little bit more because you don't go get your master's degree just because you get your master's degree because you want to, you know, do a little bit more. Um, And so knowing that coming out of that program, I mean, I'm always advocating for us to hire some CSL people. And we have, I think on our team currently, we have two. um, And then we had one guy that left last year to work for Shotlink, And then Justin, who's the head of broadcast development is from the CSL network and also a former, VSGA boat rights. So, yeah, I would say it's definitely the CSL network. And, you know, you see those guys like Charlie Howe and Glenn Gray. And without them, you know, the success of my generation or class, whatever you want to call it, it wouldn't happen if they didn't recognize, like, I have the opportunity with where I'm at to help these kids coming out of school. And, you know, Glenn Gray was a bit big advocate for me but i also had a lot of good conversations with charlie howe and i think that he would have also been a big big advocate um and he does a lot with the program the alumni are just great they just do so much for the program and whatever sports industry you're in they're hey make sure you send me an email after you get a connection you know um and they're always looking for opportunities for you which is great that's awesome man
0: and one more before we kind of go more into what you do at Trackman, but uh just the 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 USGA Boatwright program in general. If you're if there are college kids listening to this right now, why would you recommend wanting to get involved with that program?
1: Um, so you know, coming into that program, I was like, oh, cool, I'll be working with the VSGA. I'd already done the one one day a week, and I, you know, I was like, oh, this is, you know, I love the environment. Everyone there's great. And so I didn't realize like how like i don't want to say profound but like well thought of the usga boat right internship is within the golf industry you know you have that on your resume and immediately you're going to the top of like a lot of candidates list i know it helped me when i applied to the washington golf um and so it even helped it helps us now when we see i think we have we have four usga boat rights um three of which were in the same year that I was. Um, and so, you know, you see that in the golf industry, it's like, wow, this guy has gotten some good training, some good experience within multiple, you know, whatever event operations, you know, even when you're in the office, you're doing all that kind of work. So it's like, you get such a wide range of just like exposure within that internship That's like, it helps you no matter where you want to go into the golf industry. So, you know, if I if I was sitting here, Daniel, looking for an internship to do, um, I would do it all over again for sure. I, I definitely enjoyed my experience, and I definitely think that it's helped me succeed um, moving forward.
0: Well, let's talk about that moving forward and and, and TrackMan. Uh, you you, how did you uh, end up getting getting to TrackMan? How did that whole job come about for you?
1: Yeah. So, um, I think it was, I want to say it was like August, um, Justin Pageon, who's the head of broadcast development was coming in for another alumni event, uh, for the CSL and he was like, Hey, I'm coming into town. Like, are you going to be at the event? And unfortunately I was working some VSGA event. I can't remember exactly which one, um, And I was like, you know, I leave that day um, to go to the event. But, you know, would you want to meet the night before for dinner or whatever it was? And he was like, let's you know, I'm going to be on Denmark time because that's where he lives. He's like, let's just meet for coffee in the morning before you leave. So we were leaving. I want to say like 9 a.m. that morning. Um, Funny story there. I guess I misheard Amanda or something. Um, and she wanted to leave an hour before that, but I swear she said 9am. So she, I was sitting there talking with Justin and she had like texted me, where are you pretty much? But, you know, lucky for me, she had a little bit of work to do it that she could do at the office, printing out scorecards or whatever it was. So she, she wasn't too upset, but I showed up or I called her like right after I got done talking to him. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Like, I thought we were supposed to leave at nine. And she's like, no, 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 it's okay. Like, just, you know, get here soon. Um, And so that that's a pretty funny story. Like, when you look at, like, how I got to track, man, of, like, we just met up for coffee. We had, I mean, we met up at, like, 6 a.m., talked for, like, uh, I mean, two, two and a half hours, something like that, Um, you know, just because as someone who's used to track man a lot, it was very interesting to talk to someone that's, you know, so deep in the development of the broadcast tool, which is, I mean, what they do there, well, it's relatively the same. Like there's just so much, there was so much different going on um, for them. So they're constantly developing different firmwares just used on broadcast. So he knew so much about like how the radar technology worked. Um, And then just to hear where they were going during that time, it was like, wow, like this is a company that I really want to be a part of. Um, and I made that known to him and he said, yeah, I think we're going to be, um, ramping up and hiring a little bit, um, at the start of next year. And if we're not like, make sure you contact me and we'll find a position. And so, um, that was really cool. You know, talking with Justin, he was like, there was just, again, he's just, he said, there was just a sense of drive that I could feel talking to you that you don't get with every individual and he was like you know the fact that you took the time to meet with me at 6 a.m to just have coffee he was like that to me was like okay well this kid's very interested and he's going to take the extra step um and so that was kind of how we got connected um you know fast forward six months now we're sitting like i want to say it was like december-ish i guess it was only four months but it was like december-ish and that was when I had just applied for Washington golf. I think it was like the manager of tournaments or something like that. And, you know, I was sitting there and I had flown back to Washington, interviewed with them and I was waiting to hear back from them. And, you know, I get an email from Justin. Hey, do you, you know, can we talk this week? Are you still interested in joining the team next year? And at that point, I was like, wow, like, I did not expect him to reach out again. And for him to reach out, I was like, wow, like, let, you know, I let him know, I was like, I'm in the middle of the interview process with uh, Washington golf, I'm supposed to hear back from him next week. So I don't know, you know, how that affects how you feel. But I just want to put that out there. Because, you know, as an intern, I was looking for a full time job. And it was just like, if you want me to work for your team, like I it need, needed to come, come on pretty quickly. And, you know, we talked on the phone and he had an offer on the table, I think like relatively the same time that Washington golf came at me with an offer. So it was like, that was tough. You know, I sat in the office with, you know, some of the people made a pros and cons list, you know, what I like about working in the golf association side of things what do you think i would like i mean obviously you're at pga tour events so it's a bigger you know (laughs) being at pga tour events has been so fun so far but you know looking at it i was like wow it's pga tour tiger woods is out there you know all these different guys it's like i could be out there every week you know um and so it was like it was tough to get past that and you know looking long term i was like there was just something about TrackMan and Justin that was just like, I really want to be a part of this company and see where this goes. Cause they had so much talks at the time, you know, we're working, they were working on getting the broadcast tool ready to go after a big broadcast contract with the PGA tour. So, you know, it was a great time to onboard on. And I was just like, you know what, I'm going to take a chance. It's, it's a different, different lifestyle traveling um but i'm gonna take a chance and i'm gonna do it um and yeah looking back at it i'm so grateful that i made that decision well
0: what's what's a typical day out there for you at at a pga tour event what's kind of the your your daily grind routine out there
1: yeah so let me let me take it into like a typical work week because you know every day is a little bit different during the tournament it's pretty much the same but You know, leading up to the tournament's much different. Mondays are travel days. Uh, You know, get there whenever you want, as long as you're there on Monday. You know, I like to get there a little bit earlier in the day, just kind of right after noon. Um, That way I can, you know, grocery shop for the week, just kind of get acclimated in my hotel room or Airbnb, whatever we're at. Um, And then, you know, we'll, we'll go out to dinner once everyone's there, have a good dinner with the team. Um, during COVID, it was a little bit different. We, uh, we would order to the hotel and everyone would kind of just hang out in someone's room. Um, but yeah, so that's Mondays, Tuesday and Wednesday are like our setup and testing days. Um, so what that looks like is we get on site Tuesday, um, we get to our truck, you know, make sure all of our equipment made it there correctly or safely. Um, once that is, we got to plug in all the radars, get them all charged up. Um, and then from there, we have a hole breakdown that we do. So we know exactly which radars are going on, which hole before we get there. Um, so we just go through label all the radars, make sure they're charging up just a little bit. Cause you know, we're just doing testing those days. And, um, so as long as it has some charge, we can see that there's connectivity. And now with what we're using out there, we, we call them mega track mans, um, if you pay attention on tv they're behind every T box so they're these big gray boxes they look like they're actually the shell of the baseball tracking um units but they have they've since you know put different hardware inside of them so it's a golf tracking unit now with two 4k cameras so Now it's a little bit different because, you know, we label all those radars and they're getting power out on the course. So as long as they have a little bit so that we can turn them on, they'll eventually power all the way to 100% throughout the day. Um, So we do that. We get all of our equipment ready um, and then we head out on the course and we just start assembling, you know, we're assembling as fast as we can. Um, Right now we're doing 18 T-megas and then we have five on the green sides. Um, but you know, coming the Valero, we'll go up to 14. And then I want to say RBC heritage, we're going full 18 on the green sides, um, which is something I had no idea that TrackMan had the ability to do before I worked, um, started working for them. It's, it's really neat because moving forward, we're going to have data on every shot, um, that's hit out on the course. You know, there's going to be some outliers when the guy's way out in the trees or something that might be a little bit tougher, but for the main, the main course rough fairway bunkers, we're going to have data on every shot, which is going to be awesome to see. Um, But yeah, Tuesday is like a big assembly day make sure we're getting connection. Um, The unique thing about our system is we actually have to go out and collect like GPS coordinates um for where our radar is located where the team markers are located then there's like a t center position where the pin's located and then we pick two points um that are down down site out in the fairway or you know trees or bunkers wherever it is just down the ways probably you know the further the better for us um so we go and collect those at the same time so We got these nice little GPS sticks, look like we're going to a construction site um, and we're collecting these coordinates out there. um, And that just helps calibrate our system so that knows where it's at in like the real world. But that's Tuesday. Um, Wednesday, we'll go full blown like it's a tournament day. Make sure everything's set up, everything's calibrated. Um, We have to tilt and roll our radars to like certain degrees. um, So we do that. Um, but we just treat it like a regular tournament day and make sure that everything's tracking correctly and everything looks good on our end. And then once we do that, that's a little bit of a shorter day compared to like Tuesday or tournament days. So it's nice Wednesday, we get out of there. Hopefully, you know, if we're in somewhere nice to we'll try to go to the beach or at least, you know, go to a brewery or get a good dinner or something, you know, on the long Uh, when the days start getting longer we try to go get like nine holes or 18 holes in depending on where we're at Um, but yeah we do that and then tournament days they're long they're really long Um, we're there an hour and a half before the first tee time um, and then we have to stay until that last tee shot is hit off of the 18th hole Um, so it's just You know, we're looking at 14, 15 hour days, those days. Um, But the nice part about the job is it's really like there's a lot of work right up front. You know, you, you, once you get on site, you grab what you need, you go out on the course, you're dropping radars that need to be dropped off. Then you're sitting there following the rules officials. So the rules officials set the tees every morning. Once they're set, we go in, do our measurements, make sure everything's good for that hole, and then boom, we're just right on them the whole time. There's a setup team for the front and the setup team for the back. Um, and then there's one guy that's there to like help just in case anything goes wrong. So you just follow the rules official all the way through, and then once that's done, um, our stuff is really good now of staying connected, especially since we used to the we switch to the mega radars. Um, so it's a lot of, you know, all right, let's make sure that tracking looks good. We have the ability to see where our radars are saying the ball landed versus where they actually ended up. And, you know, is it realistic that the ball landed there and then rolled out to where it finished? Um, so, you know, it's a lot of just monitoring, making sure connection stays, making sure that there's power everywhere because, you know, every now and then, uh, cable gets kicked and the power cable comes out and you just see the battery going lower and lower. Um, so we have to stay on top of those kinds of things um, every now and then, since they're on tripods, a radar will get bumped and we'll have to go move it back a little bit. Um, so it's just a lot of monitoring during the day um, for most. And then from there it's switching out with the guys in TV. So there's two guys that start in TV in the morning um they do the show while the setup guys are doing are doing their thing and then usually they'll get you know a couple hour break hour break um eat lunch and then they'll go back in there if they need breaks you know they're always able to ask someone hey i need to go um take a break can you come fill in for an hour and our team's really good about yeah and there's a lot of people eager to get in there cuz it's fun um in my opinion um it gets a little it's definitely like the most, like, I guess you could say stress that we have, um, because, you know, you're expected for it to work and for it to look good. And if you're messing up, you're going to hear about it from the director or the producer, whoever it is. Um, so like, there's a little bit of stress in that, but for the most part, it's just, it's cool to just see your work and, you know, it's cool to sit, sit at home and throw on ESPN plus and be like, oh man, like, Dan or Warren is doing a great job today. Like it, you know, there's a sense of pride when you see that line come up on the screen and you're like, that's our team doing that. So um, it's going to be really cool um, to see that moving forward, especially when we move over to CBS and NBC. Yeah. so that'll be really cool. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's like the gist of our days and then we go tear down at the end of the day, but we don't, With the mega radars we leave them out there which takes the teardown process like much less um but we still do have um they're they're the threes so you know right now trackman has the retail fours out um and we use the threes strictly for club head speed that's it um so that they're like our threes are good enough to do club head speed so why like we don't need to put fours out there Um, because the mega trackmans are doing all the real hard work. So, um, yeah, I mean, we go pick up. We have six threes on the course. We'll pick those up, and then we get to go home. You know, at that point, it's 7 o'clock at night or whatever time it is. You know, you're getting back to the hotel. You probably ordered some food on your way home. You want to shower, eat, and then you're like, okay, I'm going to take, you know, half an hour or an hour to just hang out and just let my brain – you know, just chill out. And then I'm going to bed and I'm up at four the next morning. So it's like, um, it is long during tournament days. And, you know, when you get on those three week stretches, um, that third tournament, you're like, okay, I got four days left. You know, I'm, re- I'm ready to go home, but you know, it would be much harder if I didn't enjoy the job. That's for sure. Um, so it is, it's nice that our job is fun. we get to be out in good weather most of the time um and it's just yeah it's it's rewarding to see your work um come to fruition on the t v and we like beating those other guys too, so
0: yeah, no doubt about that man um you know what are, what are your favorite courses on tour that that you've gotten a chance to visit
1: man um pebble for sure uh that one is unlike any other i would tell everyone and anyone if they had the opportunity to go out there to do it um it it's heaven on earth it's insane out there um and then besides that tbc sawgrass is i mean just the care that they take of the course is just insane every tea box is perfect and then quail hollow i would say is it's the same um just you walk out to places like that and Mirfield, and you're like, man, this there's not a blade of grass in the fairway on the tee box. That is not just perfectly tight. You don't see dead spots out there. It's just everything is just perfect. Green is like they did everything they can to get the course ready for this one tournament. And it's just yeah, I mean, it's perfect you know there's definitely courses out there you're like ah I would never come play here like because they're charging you because it's a PGA event um but like I mean Quail Hollow Merefield TPC Sawgrass those are definitely up there and then Pebble Beach is like on its own other planet but yeah I mean hopefully we'll get to see what Augusta's like here this next year
0: Yeah that would be awesome man speaking of speaking of Sawgrass we're going to hopefully uh, have this drop on the first day of the Players Championship so Uh, you'll be on site there
1: Um, yes yes I will be on site there
0: yeah what I mean just what what are some of the 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 cool spots at Sawgrass to 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 watch watch the uh, the players championship when you're out there
1: I mean obviously everyone's going to tell you 17 it's electric in there you know (laughs) looking at that hole from a golf perspective you're like I mean it's a wedge like what what's so hard about it but when you really get in there and there's all the people and the murmurs and you can see the flags and they're switching directions, you know, every minute you're like, wow, like you get in there, it's just, it's just overwhelming, honestly. And the fact that these guys go up there and hit some of the shots they do, it's like, you know, that's super impressive. Um, so, I mean, that's always a fun hole. Um, 16, I think that like, when people go for that green, it's insane. Like it's not a very big green. And the fact that they're getting after it from 230 yards away, it's impressive. And I always love watching the par fives because to me, like when these guys are hitting three woods and hybrids into the greens, it's like getting them to stop, especially on the firm greens that they play on. It's just like, it's just so impressive. Um, But yeah, I would say I like to hang out in that section. Um, But then the 12th hole, Um, that one's pretty fun, a little drivable, but the real reason I hang out in the 12th hole is because they got tacos on 12, um, brought to you by taco Lou and that, that, I mean, those tacos are amazing. Um, my first year, which was actually, uh, 2020 when the tournament got canceled, um, I didn't get to enjoy that. It was the first day. I had no idea. I was just out there at TPC Sawgrass, taking it all in, just impressed by the whole course. Um, But we did go to Taco Lou, like the actual restaurant. um, And I had no idea that they had to stand out on the course um, until last year when I got to go again. Um, And I think we had that like four out of the six days that were on site. Um, but yeah, I mean, those tacos are amazing and you get to watch a pretty cool golf hole right there. So we'll
0: see, that's the good Intel that, that, that our listeners are into here right now. I'm sure there's, <laughs> there's somebody listening that, that, that's actually down there at the event. I'm pretty sure Ken Holobar is going to be there. So, um, yeah, yeah. yeah so he'll, he'll stop by and get some tacos. Uh,
1: I'm sure I'll see Ken out there at the tacos on 12. <laughs> no doubt.
0: No doubt. Um, you know, who, who are two or three guys that you're looking at, at at the players championship this year to, to really make an impact?
1: man that's that's tough um I would definitely say Patrick Cantley, I mean the guy he's just stone cold all the time, not never gets too up, never gets too down, just a fantastic ball striker um so i think when when he's on, he's on and he's really tough to beat um but then you got you know. Justin Thomas has a good track record out there. You know, he hasn't quite played as well as he'd probably want to at the start of this year, but there's something about these big tournaments that the big names always – it's like they treat every other tournament to get ready for, you know, the stuff like players or the Masters, and you always see the big names up there. Um, And plus, you know, when when you're coming through 16, 17, 18 there – and you got the tournament on the line, you know, who's better than the guys that have been out there and have had success out there. So if I had to say two guys, I would say JT and Patrick Cantlay for sure.
0: No doubt. Um, you know, speaking about the travel and uh, life and everything, I know you recently became a father and, uh, twin girls. Um, what, what's that been like trying to balance that life of, of having newborns and, and, and being on the road at the same time?
1: Yeah. Um, so I had my first trip last month. It was definitely much harder to leave. Um, it was much harder to leave the girls, uh, leave their mom. Cause I just knew how much work she was going to have to put in while I was gone. Um, so yeah, it was, yeah, it's tough. It's, you know, you hear a lot of people talk about parenthood, but you don't really know till you're there. Um, it's a crazy feeling. It was, it's so surreal. Um, to be a parent and you just look down at your little girls and you're like, wow, this is, this is awesome. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's not easy. It's not easy at all. And it's definitely, um, you know, I'm, I'm lucky that I, I do have a good relationship with the boss and the manager. So, you know, if I need to be home for certain weeks, um, as long as I give them a good, ad, you know, advanced notice that usually gets taken care of. So, Um, They work with me. They're not too hard on me on the schedule. You know, I I started out the year um, three weeks on the road, but that'll probably be the only time I do that this year. So, you know, I'm going to the players and then I'm back home for another week. So it's, you know, it's a balance. And then it was really nice um, at the end of the year from like, I don't know, middle of November all the way until the middle of January, we had nothing going on. So it was like, I was home that whole time going through the process being able to be there for their mom so you know in that sense i was very fortunate um and so yeah i mean it's it's gonna be a balancing act and uh will we'll see where i'm you know how i feel about it next year um because it's only gonna get keep getting harder
0: yeah for sure um you know, this has been a really good conversation, Daniel. We appreciate your time here. Just give you a chance to give some shout-outs here before we close out. And anybody you wanna uh, wanna give a shout out to?
1: Yeah, I definitely want to give a shout out to uh Coach Ball for, you know, trusting that I was gonna give my all and just giving me the opportunity that not a lot of people were gonna give me. Um, because without Coach Ball, I would have I don't know where I would have been. It would have been a deaf much different path I would have never been at VCU I would have never went through the CSL I would have never gone to the VSGA you know so you know without him my life would have been totally different um and then obviously I gotta I gotta give a shout out to Matt Smiley because you know he definitely you know whether he'll say it or not he had to have put in a good word to Justin with me because you know I like to think that I have good conversation and people can see my character through that, but I don't know. He, Justin was really interested in me and I, I'm not sure why. So um, yeah, I mean, without the VSGA, I definitely wouldn't have gone on to track man. And then, you know, I think my experience at the VSGA is going to help me in whatever I do next. Um, You know, whether that's going back into the allied golf association or moving on to coaching because, you know, some of the coaches even give – you see them giving people a hard time when they don't have the perfect practice round time or whatever it is. It's like a lot goes into those tournaments, and you just got to be grateful that you're out there. Um, but, yeah, I would definitely uh, give a shout-out to those two people, and then I I would give a shout-out to my parents for just helping helping me through it all
0: for sure that's awesome man well we'll look forward to seeing you out on uh, on tour this year uh at various spots and look for you out, out out on the course man thanks a lot for your time today appreciate it sounds good
1: thanks chris
0: thanks again to daniel stamper for joining us on today's golf in the commonwealth podcast and thank you all for listening as mentioned, Daniel was a long-term PJ boat ride intern for the VSGA. We're currently looking for a long-time boat intern to fill out our intern roster for this summer. If you're interested in getting a foot in the door in the golf administration industry, or if you know someone who is interested in applying for this internship, please visit vsga.org, roll to the Engage tab, and scroll down and click on Careers to find more specifics on the position. Until next time, so long.